0: College circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here for the next 30 minutes. Let's jump right in because this is an amazing topic, and I want to make sure I don't go too far over 30 minutes because that is somewhat of a goal for this episode, as it is for all episodes, really. So we're finishing up spring break, winter break, wherever in the world you happen to be finishing up our semesters. For some countries, we are opening up. Others, not so much. And either way, there is this hope for a new future, a new beginning, that we don't return to the old way of things, that we've all adopted new, healthier ways to respond to crises and to the ups and downs that life brings us. Of course, no one could have seen the pandemic coming Are we thrilled with the way that we handle it as individuals or that the politicians or anybody else handled it? I mean, of course, there's going to be the pros and the cons. There's going to be the goods and the bads. There's going to be the ebbs and the flows. And with that, we need to be emotionally grounded so that we can understand that we are in charge of our own mind. We are responsible for our own mind. Therefore, we're responsible for our own results. That's a presupposition of neuro and linguistic programming, which I'm a trainer of. We have talked about that in the past. It's one of my favorites because you are in charge of your mind, therefore you are in charge of your results. And because of this, how you internalized the pandemic, how you internalized the social injustice or the political turmoil, however you internalized this last year, is really all in your mind. And everybody has their own way of doing it. So some people saw this as a blessing in disguise. Some people cranked out amazing amounts of work and really can look back on this last year with pride for how they handled it. That's certainly me. I saw this as an opportunity to step away from my primary job, my primary source of income, and get paid to work on my career. And I did that to a tremendous degree. Other people were more emotionally unbalanced when it came to what's happened over the last year, and it's been tough. And this is no right or wrong. There's no fault. There's no, oh my God, I can't believe you did it that way. Look, everybody has their own way of interpreting reality, right? We don't describe reality with our words. We create our reality with our words. And you can notice this just by asking people what they think about the pandemic or what they think about masks. And you'll hear tons of different responses. Yet we're all talking about the same thing. There was a pandemic and there was masks. But everybody has their own way of internalizing that in their world. So this is how you know that your words don't describe the actual reality, that your words are creating your reality. If you walked away from this saying, hey, it's awesome. I get to spend more time with my family and study from home. You very well enjoyed the pandemic as far as how that changed your normal life at school. If you were somebody who was like, oh my goodness, I miss all my friends. I wish I could be partying on a Tuesday night. I wish I could just be back on campus acting the normal life that I had, you very well internalize this as a negative. But either way, we're talking about the same exact experience. There was a pandemic, there was masks, things got shut down. Now they're opening back up. How are you internalizing that? And maybe you live in a state like me, California, that's slowly but surely opening back up, but it's not opening up as fast as some other states. And for those of you who are listening to this on various continents, you have a whole nother experience that I'm not even aware of. So, the reason why we're talking about being courageous, not being afraid, releasing this fear of being afraid of the happy because of this impending sadness that could come. And that's the key word there it could come. Because there's a lot of times whenever I'm talking with people, it's almost like they have this impending doom inside of them that if they feel happy, then they'll have to equally feel sad later on down the road. And this speaks volumes to me because I literally lived my life like this for years and years, especially in my 20s when I was going to college. If I experience happy, at some point, the scale will shift and I'll have to experience equal sadness. So best to just ride the line midway, right? Just be mainstream, just be mid-course, right? If emotions are 1 to 100 with 1 to 30 or 1 to 40 being the worst of the emotions and 60 to 100 being the best of the emotions, I would rather just live in that 40 to 60 range. How often can I just be at 50? Because then I'm not happy or sad. I'm just content. I'm just here. The problem with it. I would bypass all these amazing opportunities to be really ecstatic and jubilant and happy about life and still feel the sad feelings when they came in. But it was almost like it was worse because I hadn't experienced the happy. I didn't have anything to balance it with. So when I could have been extremely happy, instead, I was just malaise. I was just content. But either way, the sad came and I felt the sad. And in many ways, I felt it worse because I didn't get to enjoy that happy that I, I should have been enjoying, that I, right, that was there for me. I didn't experience the happy, but I definitely experienced the sad. So I would just spend an inordinate amount of time waffling from like that 1 to 40 range. Not letting myself go above that 60 range, but definitely still feeling the sad ones. Because when things happen that are sad, they're just sad. You know, no matter how much I want to spend my mother passing away or getting a bad grade or getting broken up with, it still happens. I still am left with these sad feelings, and now I've got to work my way through them. But without any of the ulterior of those happy feelings, I just felt like my life was constantly going from sad to content, sad to content. And I want to stress this with you, that that is not a good way to live. Be courageous and enjoy the happy because either way, it's part of the human experience. The sad will come. I can't sugarcoat this. There's not going to be an entire life lived without some heartbreak, without disappointment, without expectations of an event going one way and they go awry and they go another way. It's part of the human experience with 2.3 million bits of data flying at our our unconscious mind every second, and only 126 being able to be comprehended by the conscious mind, we're living in this infinite world with tons of inputs. Again, 2.3 million. To think every single second of your life is going to go hunky-dory, is just going to be sweet, riding that wave, it's, it's not possible. what strengthens strengthens us as humans is going through the bad times so we can really relish and admire and improve upon the good times. So I got some stuff here we're going to cover in this episode because it's really important at a very young age, and if you're listening to this in middle school or high school, and I know I've got a lot of listeners who do, this is really awesome for you to be introduced to now because you can start to bypass some of the programming that the college kids or the 20-something, 30-something, 40-somethings have experienced that one day they have to go back and they have to work through, right? When we start to behave a certain way, it becomes programmed into our minds. And when, when this programming happens over years, at some point, it no longer serves us. So this, I'm not going to be happy because I don't want to be sad kind of programming At some point you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s and you're at your wedding or you're at your kid's graduation. You're somewhere along the line and you want to embrace the happiness, but it's not coming as fulfilling as it could be because you programmed yourself to not get super happy. And then you you either are just unaware of this and do nothing about it and just live this malaise where you don't want to get happy because what happens if somebody gets in a car accident so I just won't be happy, but you definitely feel the sad. And if you're wise-minded, where you're looking to connect your emotional and your thinking mind together, then you ultimately end up spending time in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond working your way through this programming that you dialed in to yourself at a young age. And this can creep up any time. So you might be, oh yeah, I, I can totally feel 100 just as much as I can feel one. And then you're 42 and your parent... Passes away, and now all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, how am I going to deal with this?" And you just lock it down emotionally, and now you don't get to f- you don't get to feel that spectrum any longer. And that spectrum is where the beauty of humanity lies. That's where you want to be. You want to be able to go up and down the spectrum of emotions. That's where the experience of being human is. Yes, I absolutely remember my first heartache in high school. I absolutely remember causing my first heartache in college. I remember my second heartache in college. And my third, I remember the heartaches almost as much as I remember the good times. I definitely remember the names of the ex-girlfriends who dumped me in a crazy, (laughs) heartbreaking fashion. And I absolutely remember the ones that I did that back to. Heartache sucks. And no doubt that at some point in middle school or high school, you felt it. And that could cause you to want to shut things down emotionally and not trust people, and so on and so forth. And we're going to get into that. But I just want to preframe this that that's part of the human experience. And locking your heart away and saying, that's it. I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to care again is no way to honestly live your life. I know, I know you have heard this from other adults. And I mean, you're adults, too. We're all I don't know what the age range is here, but I know that somewhere along the lines, you've you've had a heartache, a disappointment. You didn't make the team. You got cut from the team. You got fired from a job. Something happened at a young age and some. You know, wise ass adult told you this is just part of life and better get used to it. And it's like, I know that sounds ridiculous, and you probably want you know, in your mind you're probably, you know, pulling a Homer Simpson to Bart and choking him out. Like, how dare you tell me, what well, this is part of life and just get over it and just move on, right? I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you to just get over it and move on. In fact, I'm going to tell you to embrace it. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. So let's dive into this. First, there's some questions you can start to ask yourself whenever you start to think about emotions in this spectrum, again, one being the ultimate worst sad thing you could think of, 100 being like jubilation, like you're flying on unicorns and llamas with wings as you won the lottery and everything that you love is just presented to you, right? You've got this spectrum of just the worst day and the best day, one to 100. So when you start to ask about your emotions and feelings, some of the questions I really want you to ponder upon, and if you have a pad and paper in front of you, write some of these down. They may or may not make the show notes, so make sure you write some of this stuff down. What is it that you're afraid of feeling? Ask yourself, what is it that you're really afraid of feeling? Is it disappointment, sadness, regret? This is a great opportunity to go online and Google um, like negative emotions or sad emotions because there's really a spectrum. There are, I've got list after list after list. I got a picture hanging up in my room. It's called feelings. There's easily 50 to 75 feelings on here. We could, if we wanted to take the time, establish a a feeling with the number. So one could be like soul crushing death and loss, whereas 100 could be, you know, again, winning the lottery while you're riding a roller coaster, while talking llamas and bears walk you down the street. Like it could be whatever, right? But it could be jubilation all the way down to devastation. So what is the feeling that you're, what, it, what is it that you are afraid of feeling? Ask yourself that. Disgust, revolt, repugnant, loathing. What, it, what would be some of these things that you're afraid of feeling? And then assign a number to it. You only need 10 or 15 right? You could literally just say, okay, you know, one, uh, one to five is this one and five to 10 is that one. And then 60 to 65 is this one and 66 to 70 is this one. Ask yourself, what is it you're afraid of feeling? Disappointment, disgust, sadness. Then ask yourself, how do you know this is what you will feel? How do you know if you allow yourself to be happy that you will ultimately feel one of these negative emotions? Sadness or disgust or disappointment or heartbreak. How is it you know? Victimized, powerless, vulnerable, despair, depressed, lonely, bored. How is it you know that you're going to feel this? And then ask yourself, uh, to me, the most important question of all three of these. When did you decide that you were going to feel this way? You decide to feel what you feel. You decide to internalize the world the way that you do. No one made you feel sad. Someone may have decided to break up with you. They didn't decide that you had to feel sad. They didn't say, I'm breaking up with you, and by the way, you get to be sad for the next three months. You decided that. No one does anything against you. They do it for themselves. I know it can not feel that way but let's let's review this another time. People aren't doing things against you. They're doing them for themselves. Breaking up with you wasn't against you. Even if they sit there and rattle off a list of 15 things they didn't like about you, that's on them. They're probably projecting their own inner defaults, their own inner faults that they see about themselves upon you anyways right? This Oftentimes the unconscious mind will point out to us things we don't like about other people because it wants us to notice those things in ourselves just as much. It's like, please notice that you are short-tempered. So I'm going to point out everybody in front of you who's short-tempered and cause you to point out that as a fault in them, when in reality it's a fault within yourself that your unconscious mind wants you to work on. But you're deciding to feel a certain way, because this person chose to do something for them over doing something for you. And that's, again, part of the human experience. Humans are always seeking to do things for themselves. Even the people pleaser, who's constantly give, 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 giving, they're doing that for themselves. Something happened at a young age when they decided that the only way they could get love was by giving of themselves so that the person would want them around come on, does that not sound like a child desperate for their parents' love? I'll do good things for you as long as you show me attention. And then you become an adult and then you overly people please, because that's how you were programmed as a child by your own unconscious mind. If I give, 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 then people will love me. But we've all seen that person who gives so much and doesn't get that kind of love in return. And then it does, it does dovetail you into this feeling of sadness and depress, depression and rejection. Because at some point you're like, oh my God, how much more do I have to give in order to receive this person's love? Often humans don't want love just so readily thrown at them. They'll reject it. If somebody is like, oh my goodness, they just they always bend to my will. They always acquiesce to my arguments. I just I can just roll all over them. If you've been in a couple of relationships, you know when there's been a person who's just let you roll all over them. You've ultimately wanted to have them stand up for themselves, and when they don't, you start to lose some respect for them. If you haven't felt this yet, it's coming. The reason this happens is because we want people to stand up for themselves. We want there to be some sort of pushback. We want you to have respect for yourself. And when that person decides to walk away because you people-please the hell out of them, again... This isn't some sort of rejection of you as much as it's them doing this for themselves. There's a little sidebar, but it's something very important to understand. People don't do things against someone else. They do it for them. Somebody didn't eat the last piece of cake against you. They wanted the piece of cake, so they ate the piece of cake for themselves. That may absolutely mean you don't get the last piece of cake, but they were doing it for themselves. It may have been a power move to prove to you they could eat the cake before you but that's because they needed to show themselves that they had some sort of power in their life when, in fact, unconsciously, they probably realize they have very little to none. Again, doing it for themselves for what they think is a, whatever reason they think may not even necessarily be the real reason why it's happening. So when did you decide that you were going to feel rejected? When did you decide you were going to feel heartbroken? Because you could not feel that. You could choose something instead. Emotions are a part of life. We have heartache, right? We have disappointments arise. Things don't go the way we'd like them to. Things don't play out the way we expect them to. When you have these emotional moments in life, you will embrace them and ask, is something positive that you can learn from this experience happening to you right now? What is something positive that you can learn from this experience? Accept that people do things for themselves, not against you first and foremost, so we can move past that. Accept that the person uh, didn't give you the promotion, not against you, but for themselves. To give it to somebody else, perhaps there was a a financial kickback or an incentive or an office romance. You don't even know. But it wasn't like they said, nope. Screw you. I'm going to do it for somebody else, but I'm just doing it against you. They're really doing it for themselves. Even if it's because they think that you're inept at the job and you wouldn't be a good manager and the business would go to hell if you were in charge, still doing it for themselves. But it feels like it's against you because that's what our human mind tells us. When things don't go our way, the world's against me. The world's out to get me. Somebody is secretly forming a cabal against Jesse Mogul and wants to destroy me. And anytime I want to succeed, this cabal steps up and knocks me back on my ass. That is not reality. (laughs) Life just doesn't always work out the way that we would like it to. That is absolutely reality. I still decide if I'm going to feel a negative emotion around that. Being courageous and embracing the happiness, I still decide to feel happy and I decide to feel sad. Be weary of learning that you... So when you go back and you ask yourself, what's something positive you can take from this undesirable emotion? Let's say of sadness, let's say of heartache, right? I feel like we've all had some level of heartache in our lives. So it's really easy to use that as an example. Be weary of the learning that you take from this experience, being something negative and undesirable. It's real easy to get your heart broken, right? It's real easy to decide to get your heart broken, to to be dumped. And then out of that comes, I will never love again. I will never trust again. I will never be happy again. I am not worthy of good things happening to me. I am not worthy of good experiences in my life. I am less than. I am worthless, It is way too easy for our minds to start to tell us those things when we get dumped, when we don't get the promotion, when we don't get called upon in class, when we don't get to be the leader of the school newspaper our senior year, or we don't get to be called the president of the student body. It's real easy to internalize that as don't trust, don't love, don't be happy. You're not worth anything good. You're not worth any good experiences. You're, you are less than, you are worthless. It's just, it's part of that that negative bias these negative biases that run through our head that say, well, if I didn't get what I wanted, then clearly I'm not worthy of it. Um, something is wrong with me because if something was right with me, I would have gotten it. Look at all these other people always getting what they want in life. Why don't I get what I want in life? I can guarantee you every single person you look at you think's got a fancier pair of shoes or a nicer purse or a better car has something in their life that is not going the way they would prefer it to. They're not going to show you that on Instagram. They're not going to show you that version of them on TikTok because that's the highlight reel of our life. No, we're going to throw a couple filters on this and a couple cute emojis, and we're going to make everything seem like it's freaking puppy dogs and ice creams and butterflies and roses rushing down you know, to a leprechaun with a bunch of gold and a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. That's what people want you to think. Because no one really wants to have to swallow their pride and say, I have been disappointed. I have been heartbroken. I have failed. People don't want everybody in the world to know those things, so they put on a brave face. So I will promise you, no matter who you're looking at, envious of, they have problems too. They have disappointments. They're more than likely very similar to yours, perhaps in a different fashion, Oh, look at, you know, Bobby Beamer wrecked his brand new car and his daddy bought him a new one. I wish I, you know, I'm over here driving a 1993 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. I wish I had a nice car. I wouldn't wreck it. That's just this made up reality in your head that doesn't even exist. All of these things of I'm worthless, I'm not worthy, I'll never love again, I'll never trust again. These are all negatives. These are limiting beliefs that you will one day have to overcome or worse. As I mentioned earlier in the show, you won't even know they are inside of you. And you will unconsciously sabotage good times out of, an, out of this irrational fear that this moment that you're experiencing of happiness, of jubilation, of excitement or confidence, that this moment will fall apart down the line, right then and there. It's going to fall apart anyways. So better I just ruin it now than having it ruined by someone or something else later. That is asinine. That is ridiculous. Having these negative limiting beliefs that things are going to go wrong eventually, so better that I just wreck it and destroy it now is ridiculous. It's like Something amazing in your life gets to die twice when that happens because one, you have it and it's awesome and you start to kill it and then it ultimately dies. So now you've been killing it this entire time and then it dies. So you get to experience the death of it twice and you now get to deal with the emotional ramifications of knowing you are the one who sabotaged it. You can sit there and point the finger and blame somebody else. But if you really sat down and wrote out what it was that you did to create this sabotage, to create this experience falling apart, you would have to come face-to-face with the fact that you killed it twice. That it died and you're the one responsible for it. I can't have a happy relationship because eventually everyone breaks my heart and leaves. So I'm just going to start unconsciously sabotaging this relationship at the three, six, nine month 12-month, 14-year mark. I'm going to unconsciously start to sabotage it so that they just leave me anyway so I don't have to deal with it. But at least I get to leave knowing I drove them away. Have fun with that. Now you get to watch them leave your life and you get to know you're the cause. Not because they liked Mexican and you liked sushi and you could never agree on that. No. You pushed and pushed and pushed, and you drove them away. You started arguments where there didn't need to be any. You held back your heart when all they wanted you to do was open it up. And in the end, they decided to walk. And you can say, oh, well, they, weren't, they just weren't the right one. But in your mind, you know better. Not only did the relationship go away, but you're the reason why. Because you actively pursued it falling apart. This is self-sabotage at its finest. And this is not helpful for you to experience long-term because, and this is really important because you will hold yourself back from experiences that could be and will be life altering in a very positive way. You will not step up for a relationship that is golden because you will be afraid that they will leave. Yes, it is part of the human experience. People do leave. Love does fall apart. It does dwindle it does just eventually get exasperated. It it, you, it's, it gets exhausted. There are people who've been married for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You think they're happiest ever. They end up divorced. People grow apart. It's okay. It's not against you. It's for them. In, in fact, it could be for you too. I've watched people leave relationships of 5, 10, 15 years. The next one was the best one. But if you are unconsciously sabotaging yourself from feeling happy because you're so afraid of feeling the sad, you get to kill it twice. Not only did you not get to feel the the happy, but you absolutely will feel the sad. And if you're not wise enough in the later part of your life, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, like that mid-range, when you have your own children, you're going to raise them with these limiting beliefs. You're also not going to want to embrace the happiness you see them having in their life because, heaven forbid, you have to console them when the sadness comes. But the sadness comes. So embrace the happiness to its fullest so then you can look back and go, yes, this is sad, but remember that happy time? We're going to get back there. There's an ebb and flow in life, and it always gets back there. There's going to be the days where it's 100, and there's going to be the days where it's a one, and there's going to be a lot of days where it's 50. Relationships take work. Life takes work. I'll never forget my last girlfriend at University of Florida telling me, you know, I was like, look, relationships take work. If you want them to work out, if you want them to be amazing, it takes work. And I remember her, being, remember her saying, it. I'm paraphrasing now, but it's like relationships shouldn't take work. They should just be easy, free flowing. And this is becoming too much work. And without knowing her anymore since I've left that university, I have no doubt. And again, I was 29. She was 22. She had yet to to begin experiencing the college relationships. I mean, by the time I got to 29, I'd been to three different universities already. I knew relationships took work. I have no doubt by the time she got to my age at 29 that she also knew that relationships take work. But it's not until we experience those relationships we actually want to work in do we realize it takes work and i do, i don't take it as an affront to me that she wasn't willing to work cuz i really wasn't willing to work all that hard either be courageous take chances with your heart with your self worth with your mind with your emotions with your body i mean be safe in that you don't jump out of an airplane without a parachute but by all means jump out of that plane with a parachute jump Enjoy it. Embrace it. There are so many things in life that you will look back on and think, what a shoulda coulda. Let me be that voice of reason now that says, just do it and do it now. I'll leave you on this. I remember back in my raving days in Orlando at my second university and we would throw parties at the house after the clubs closed down and I would just want to dance around. And I'm not a great dancer. I'm tall and lanky and it's just, you know, I'm I'm, I'm no uh, I'm no Justin Timberlake or or Drake or uh I don't know whoever the good dancers are nowadays. <laughs> I don't like. I don't watch a lot of things that would show me who the good dancers are. I'm not even those people on TikTok and on Reels who can sit there and shuffle board and shuffle dance. Shuffle board—that is something done with a stick by old people. Shuffle dancing is something done by young people, and of which I still like to consider myself one. Um, I practice the shuffle dancing. It's hilarious to me, and I think I look like a goofball Gumby looking like creature in the mirror. But my point is, is back at these after parties, I would just want to dance around. And sometimes I'd get super self-conscious because people would be watching me because they just wanted to sit on the couch and not dance. I would stop dancing because I didn't want the judging eyes on me. And that memory Of one particular night of me having a time of my life that I stopped dancing because all these people were sitting on the couch. I don't know what they were on or what they were doing. I don't even know if they were paying attention to me, but I stopped dancing. And I'll never forget that moment because I don't know any of those people anymore. None of those people are anything to me. I'm not even sure I knew them all that well when they were at my house then. So why did I care about their opinion? But I definitely have this memory in my mind where I stopped dancing because I didn't want to be judged by other people. And now that I'm in my 40s, I can assure you, I don't give a damn who's watching. When it's time to dance, when it's time to sing, when it's time to enjoy life, I'm going to do it to my fullest. Because anyone watching me, if they're still around in another month or six or year or five, then they loved being there with me as I danced and enjoyed life. And for the people who were judging and, and looking down upon me, Those aren't people I'm going to keep around in my life much longer anyways. Don't you keep people in your life who judge you when you want to dance like no one's watching, even though everybody else is. Just do it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Be courageous. Love the happy. Learn from the sad. Take the positives that are there. And I can only begin to come up with it There's infinite positives, but when you open yourself up to the happy, you teach yourself that you can do that, that you can embrace that. When that and when the sad comes, the best lesson that you can have in that moment is that you know how to be happy. You have learned to embrace the happy. You will make it through the sad. I can promise you, it will get better. You can make it through the sad, and on the other side of it is jubilation it's excitement it's another one of those moments that you'll lock into your mind and you'll never forget because it was that powerfully happy for you and yes the sad will also stay with you as a reminder that on the other side of it is the happy be courageous take chances jump out of that plane with the parachute but by all means jump out of that plane Internalize life for the positives. Learn from the negatives. Seek out more desirable moments in your life. Don't hide behind a curtain of negativity or chastising others, talking behind their backs, being a gossip. You don't want to be that person. People don't want those people around. And you very well like I did in my teens and 20s, think, are you kidding me? Look at this huge, huge group of friends I have. When you graduate and you move on, people start getting mortgages. People start having children, getting married, having careers. Those those fringe circles begin to dwindle. People really start to get to choose who do they want in their life. You get to choose who do you want in your life be the kind of person you want in your life and i can assure you other people will want you there too be courageous open yourself up for the best it'll so be it'll be so much more gratifying to know that you can do that when the sadness comes you will know that you are just getting ready to ricochet right back over to that happiness Train yourself to do that. Program yourself to know that sadness, is it's, it's temporary. Even ultimate jubilation is fleeting, but you want to experience it because once you've crossed that threshold, you absolutely know you can go back and being able to know that you can be jubilant and excited and thrilled about life is a gift that will keep on giving for yourself, to yourself, for the rest of your life. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.